0: you an all-star, get your game on, go play. Hey, now you're a rock star, get the show on, get paid. And all that pain is gone. Only shooting stars break the mold. Welcome to another episode of the NRL Super Coach All Stars podcast. This is Barnsey. Back again ahead of Round 5 coming up. Huge round that we've just had in Round 4 to review. And Round 5 looks even bigger with a lot of decisions to make. Before we get stuck into the podcast, have to mention our fantastic partner, Top Sport. Top Sport's a 100% Australian-owned bookmaker. They are fantastic as far as best-in-market odds. Very often with all their sporting bets, NRL especially, they've got some fantastic markets in there. If you are going to bet do so responsibly, but also make sure that if you're opening an account with top sport that you're doing it with the promo code s c all that's just all one word s c all stars then they'll know that you're one of our listeners and they'll take really good care of you but top sport fantastic, get on them. Let's get on with the podcast for today we're going to go into market watch where we're going to have a look at how the market's trending as far as the trades go, uh, but we're also going to concentrate especially on the fullback spot with a little bit of a strategy talk and discussion. We're obviously going to do TLT for round five, go through all the games, some captaincy options uh, and some pod options that are potentially coming up as well. So going to be a bit of a faster podcast today because it is going to unfortunately be a solo one just with me. Uh, We've got some technical difficulties that prevented Billy from coming on for today's podcast. But he will be back in the next two weeks for sure. Uh, we've also got Cowboy coming on in the next couple of weeks too from the Points Per Minute podcast, which a lot of people enjoy very much as well. So a couple of good guests coming up for today. You're stuck with me though, guys. And let's have a quick talk on Market Watch to start with. So first off, let's look at the fullback spot because obviously we had a huge week where uh, we've got Ryan Pappenhausen going 197 points. Absolute chaos. There was basically two types of people this past Supercoach round. There was those people who owned Ryan Pappenhausen, and there were those people who did not. And those people who did not absolutely plummeted. Uh, I know myself, I ended up dropping about 4,000 spots, which was crazy just because I didn't have him, uh, and it ended up being a really poor round just because I didn't own the Paps. So really big swing. Uh, what it's meant, though, is that it's really opened up a lot of discussion points on what to do at fullback, Obviously, Pappenhausen uh, now has gone up to a huge 750k, so it's going to be a massive investment to get him in. Very different from his starting price tag of 629,000. He's now gone up 120k just in one round. That 197 is going to stick around as well. So, if you are going to get Pappenhausen, it really is this week, or you're not going to be able to afford it. Uh, so, it's a pretty tough call. There's a few people with different types of team builds. So, it probably Gutherson and also Latrell Mitchell were the two more popular fullback pod options to have Pine Tedesco. Uh, and obviously, some people even didn't have Tedesco, which was seemed pretty crazy to start the season. So, there's a few options if you don't have Pappenhausen at the moment. Um, I am someone who doesn't have Pappenhausen. I've got Gutherson in. Now... Pappenhausen's played three games. He's gone 124, 73, and 197. That's an average of 131. Now, when you look at the numbers just off the bat, it looks amazing. Uh, it looks like that you just absolutely have to get him in. I don't think it's as straightforward as that. So uh, certainly, you know, if you want to get him in, go for it. Uh, I think one of the challenges with doing that, though, is that now he's 750,000. You know, if you own... A Gutherson or, or a Luttrell, you're trying to find about $200,000 to do that trade. And it's also a case of probably weakening your team a little bit. So what I mean by that is, even if I look in my case, I'm going to have to go Gutherson to Pappenhausen to get Pap in. Gutherson's very likely to score well this round, uh, and he's a, he's a gun. So I'm going gun for gun, even though Pap, you know, is obviously beating him at the moment as opposed to what I would have done if Pap didn't go ballistic, is I would have traded uh, a couple of mid-rangers, maybe a, a guy that's kind of peaked a little bit. I'll go early on a cow and probably a plotter, you know, someone like Welsh, who has been solid, had 71 points on the weekend, but I could upgrade him very well to an Angus very easily and have Angus Crichton come in and still have Gutherson playing at fullback. So my overall 17, I'd feel a lot more comfortable with. Bit of a tough call. Um, What I would suggest people do, though, is one of the things that I know always happens, and I do this as well, is that when a team goes ballistic and they've got a player that goes for four tries like Pappenhausen scores 200 points, you're very set on um, that one game. You know, one of the things that you have to remember is Pappenhausen's done his 200-point game. You know, it's extraordinarily unlikely he's going to do another 200-point game. You know, you're probably not going to get close to 200 points again out of him for the rest of the season. So we've already missed the boat on that. Uh, so that automatically brings him back to the pack a little bit as far as you're not going to get that tearaway game where he's going to double or triple your score of your other fullback you got at the moment again. You know, that, that game's passed. We've already missed out. We already got flogged last week for not having him. So that's one thing with it. The other thing that you often forget is it's very easy to get carried away with Pappenhausen and and not realise how good uh, your option's going. So, Clint Gutherson, for example. Now, he's obviously got a 32-point stinker in there against Melbourne, but the last two weeks he's gone 81 and 87 points against poor opposition. So, he's got an 84 average the last two rounds where he's played the Sharks and the Tigers. That's really good, you know. And in, in round one against the Broncos, poor opposition again, he had 75 points. So... If you look at those, you know, he's basically doing 80 points against poor opposition, and he's coming up to St. George at Bankwest Stadium this week. Huge potential to go 80-plus again uh, pretty easily. Canberra after, that's pretty tough. But then he's got the Broncos again, uh, and then also the Bulldogs after that, harder game against the Roosters. But then Warriors, and then Manly. So he's got a lot of good matchups the next two months. There's heaps of good stuff in there that ordinarily you would have been really happy to have Gutherson for can't discount enough that you're really just looking at what these guys are going to do over the next sort of four to six weeks. You know, you you need to just sort of forget about Pappenhausen's massive game. If I knew pre-season Gutherson was going to come in uh, and average 70 points, I I would have been happy with that. If I knew that, you know, taking out that dud, say, you know, he could average 80 plus points, I would have been elated with that. The only reason that I'm not is obviously because Pappenhausen's just blitzed it. If you look at someone else, Latrell Mitchell, you know Mitchell has started off quite well as well. And again, you're going to forget about that good start just because Pappenhausen went ballistic. But Mitchell's got 117 points, 68, 67, and 74. Uh, you're going to have to find an, a whole 200K if you want to go Mitchell to Pappenhausen. But the next three rounds, I, I would love to own Latrell Mitchell. You know, he's got the Broncos this week then he's got the West Tigers, and then he's got the Gold Coast Titans. Yeah, He could easily uh, average a ton over the next three weeks. Uh, I would expect one of those three games, he's going to go ballistic for 125 plus or something. Yeah, so you're, you, you've you got a great draw there for him. Obviously, Pappenhausen has a good draw too, uh, like Luttrell and Gutherson, but it's just important to look at that because all these guys are talented. Any of these guys can go on a three week run that's gonna beat the other. Yeah, so the fact that Pappenhausen's got that two hundred points in, it's not crazy just to bank on who who you've already got. If they're all the same price then maybe you I think it's a lot more viable just to you know it's to go straight to Pappenhausen and just get in. But at the moment, you know, you've lost the two hundred points, it's a very viable option just to stick with your Latrell or, or to stick with your Gutherson for a couple of weeks. Uh, and sort of, and and hope that they're going to keep going how they've been going because they've been going well, you know, and again, one of the things that we do is that we forget how good our current fullback's going just because Pap just went ballistic. Uh, I would uh, I would say it's a 50-50 call, um, but if your team has a really strong 17 uh, and you've got a lot of depth and you're happy with it, I think it's a lot easier to go to Pappenhausen uh, and to find that money to downgrade somewhere else. That's a lot better. If you're struggling to field a really competitive deep 17 where your four reserves are really strong, I think that's the point where you might have to bite the bullet and say, I'm not going to get Pappy in. I'm going to ride Luttrell or I'm going to ride Gutherson. You know, I'm a Gutherson owner, as I said, if I would be much more comfortable with Latrell at the moment, uh, just because of the next three week run, you know, I I would back Luttrell to beat uh, potentially all fullbacks the next three weeks just because Broncos, Tigers and, and Titans are just such a phenomenal three-week run for him. So I would actually be happy if I was in the Latrell owner's position right now, um, even though they're probably panicking and trying to get Pappenhausen in. Now, the other thing that I'll mention with Luttrell too is he's obviously got Cody Walker out this week. That could work really well for him this week, especially. You know, this week without Cody Walker, he's going to be handling the ball a lot at the back. That could be absolutely huge for him. So, Latrell's actually the ninth best averaging player um, in the game at the moment. You know, that's, that's a huge start for him. Obviously, Pappenhausen is now number one, but if you take out that last week's game, the gap isn't actually that much. So, I'm pretty big on holding Luttrell, uh, all factors considered, especially this week. When you are looking at both... Uh, you know, Latrell and Gutherson as your alternative fullback options that non-Pap owners have as well. Yeah, ownership's really important. So at the moment on Market Watch, 7.2% of coaches are trading in Ryan Pappenhausen and he was already forty two percent owned. You know, that's he's gonna be close to forty-five to fifty percent range once the trades are all done and this round's done and dusted that is a huge amount of ownership. So there's two ways to sort of look at that. One of them is if you're really worried um, that it's going to put you behind and that could happen, you know, the downside of not getting Pappenhausen now is that half the game is going to run away from you and you're not going to be able to catch them. You're going to have 50% of coaches with Pap that are just going to keep going ballistic. You know, that could happen and you are left too far behind probably. You're going to find it really hard to catch that up in other areas. But the other thing that could happen is that you can look at that and go, well, look, I'm going to bank that someone like Luttrell, um is going to outscore him for the next month of football. Uh, and if that happens, you know, all of a sudden you've got a huge jump on 50% of super coaches because you've got a guy in Luttrell Mitchell that's just beaten a 50% owned Pappenhausen, and Luttrell Mitchell is far, far less owned. He's only in 23% of teams. So there is a massive difference between him and uh, approaching 50% ownership of Pappenhausen. That's a couple of things to consider, but you know you need to understand the risk. It's a risk reward if you're trying to keep a Latrell Mitchell or even a Gutherson for the next month and praying that they're gonna go, well, you're gonna get a huge reward and a jump start on the Pappenhausen owners. But the risk, and it, it is a big risk, is that you're not going to be able to catch up very easily over the next month of football if Pappenhausen keeps going ballistic. We have spoken about the Gutherson and the draw draws being quite good. Pappenhausen also has a really good draw. Uh, and that's the thing that makes it harder. I think that if Melbourne had a bit of a tougher run, it would also make it easier to bypass Pappenhausen. But they've got the Bulldogs this week. Um, now, th- they should absolutely blitz the Bulldogs. I think everyone realises that. The Roosters the next week is a bit harder. Uh, but then they've got the Warriors and the Sharks, and then they've got another hard game against South. The so they do have a couple of tough ones in there. It's not as good as Luttrell or Gutho's draw, I don't think, because basically every two or so weeks they're playing a, a good team. But in saying that, they've still got some big games there. You know, Pappenhausen could come out this week and score 125 against the Dogs. That's going to That's going to really sting, because that's going to put him in sort of 850k territory. And then all of a sudden, price-wise, you're not going to be able to get him. Certainly make your decision this week, guys. I, I don't think there's a wrong one. Uh, I was going to try and get him in at the start of the week. I've had a bit of time to think it over, and now I've almost decided that I'm going to hold where I'm at, and I'm going to get Angus Crichton in instead, because I think that strengthens my overall 17. And it can't be said enough, you know, 150 to 200k investment to upgrade a gun to another gun is a lot. The last thing that we're going to talk about with the fullbacks is a Teddy conundrum. So one of the things that some super coaches are doing is saying, you know, maybe I've got a Latrell in at fullback and I've got Tedesco as the other. And instead of looking at Mitchell, you know, they're looking at Tedesco out. Uh, Tedesco had a good game on the weekend. He ended up coming in at 74 points. scored a try, line break, was pretty normal Teddy aside from a few extra errors. And I'm really surprised at how many people are are acting like it's a really poor game from him. And also that Teddy's a trade-out option. He's got a 157 BE, but if you're going to hold him all the way through and base your whole team around Tedesco at the back, his BE doesn't matter, you're just going to hold him anyway. He's 840k, so I guess some of the thinking is that you can... Put yourself in a much easier position not to weaken your seventeen if you want to get Papinhausen by going Teddy to Pap. Hopefully get the same type of points if not better, and you've got an extra hundred thousand in the bank to play with to upgrade somewhere else. On the money side of things, it does make some sense. Um, I'm not going to say it's entirely crazy, but what I am going to say is entirely crazy is how much Teddy is just getting blasted. Uh, for not having a good season by some people on some of the pages. This is a guy averaging 105 points. Um, so, yeah, I don't think it's completely crazy to look at trading him out, but I do think it's a little crazy because yeah, if you just said to yourself, in a vacuum, just looking at, at Ted Tedesco's numbers, you know, I'm going to look at trading out a guy that's averaging 105 points, has a low score of 74 and a high score of 162, and two out of his first four games, he's tunned up. You know, on the surface, you look at that, you just go, you're absolutely mad. Why are you trading out James Tedesco? He's coming up against the Sharks this week. Very, very easily could cut up. uh, And all of a sudden, that's three out of his first five games, he's gone a ton. Tougher game against the Storm. um, But I will say that that's, you know, Storm versus Roosters means that it's Pappenhausen versus Tedesco. So both those guys could have a quiet game. He then goes into the Dragons, which he could absolutely carve up again and then Newcastle Knights. So, as far as Teddy goes, you know, it's very hard to see him not continue on scoring well. There is no chance that I'm considering going to Tedesco to Pappenhausen. Absolutely none. I do think it's a mistake. Um, I do think that if you're going to go to Pappenhausen, it needs to be your other full-back spot. Uh, but, I, like I said, I'm, I'm actually going to stick with Teddy and Gutho myself just for now. Gutho will, will go later. But, when you're having a look at the past seasons too with someone like Gutherson, you know he's gone through an average, three-round three, three round average, 120. Five-round averages of 96 and stuff. He does that you know, pretty consistently. The last couple of years has been a few occasions where that's happened. So it's fine to run with it, guys. Don't feel like you have to get Pappenhausen in. Also, don't feel like it's a mistake to, to go and chase him and pay the extra money. Just make sure that you do it this week. We'll finish off on the fullbacks on that note. Let's have a look at some of the other market trends that are happening at the moment in the top 10 most traded in and traded out players for the trade outs the first couple uh, make a lot of sense you know Tex Hoy is getting dumped by a lot of teams he's injured Jamal Fogarty was injured on the weekend managed to play 50 plus minutes and score zero points which is very very hard to do but let's focus on number three so Satili Tupanua 2.9 percent of coaches are trading out Satili. And he ended up with a four on the weekend, and that's pretty much what it comes down to. He had a HIA, which is really unfortunate. So he's not being traded out because his form hasn't been good. I'm pretty sure that everybody's been happy with his performances, but he's obviously going to start to leak cash now. One of the knee-jerk reactions that often happens is that when someone like Satili uh, scores a four, everyone automatically thinks that you absolutely have to trade him out. You definitely don't. Uh, it's it's fine to trade him out now because, you know, you don't want to bleed cash, but he's got well over 100 BE at the moment. That's fine. His four is going to drop out in a couple of weeks' time after that. Once his four drops out, he's going to start making cash again. So, I mean, he was on track to probably make... Uh, after last round, if he didn't get knocked out, he probably would have made 70K all up. Um and at the moment you're gonna trade him out for about a twenty-five K uh twenty-five K made on him, which really isn't enough for a trade out normally. Uh but I think that it's fine if you really we're gonna trade him out in a few weeks anyway. Certainly all those coaches getting rid of him, get rid of him now. But what I would say is that it's not it's not a definitive answer where you have to get rid of him. He's not a must trade out whatsoever. If you look at his first three weeks, yeah, you know, he's gone 75, 83 and 50. He's averaging gun numbers for the first three rounds. He was a he was a gun and he's done that at a starting price tag of 410,000. That's huge value just because he's got a big break even and he's coming off a four-point game. It doesn't mean that he no longer offers huge points value. At 437,000, if he's going to keep on averaging 65 to 70 points a game, that is huge value for the amount of money that you're paying for him. It is probably going to be way more value than who you're going to get in at that similar type of price tag. Even if you were to get in a gun forward uh, at that sort of 450 to 550k mark, Sotili's still probably going to give you better value. So one of the things that you can look at, and this is something that I'm 90% going to do myself, he's got the Sharks this week. You know, okay, 105BE, oh, he's going to leak a huge amount of cash. What if he scores a try this week uh, and goes for 85 points, which is what he did in round two against a, a Tiger's edge that was letting him really run pretty rampant? Yeah. Against the Sharks edge, he could very well easily do that and have an 85-point game. And, and then all of a sudden, he's lost he, hes lost like 10, 15K, and that's not a big drop at all. Yeah. And then you've got the points that you've banked this week as well. He's got a tougher game against a Storm the week after, but then obviously he hits the Dragons, which on that edge, he could again go really well. So what you can do with him, definitely you can just ride out the next few weeks. Two out of those three matchups are really good matchups, and you could then go onto a money-making with Satir League again, and that's going to happen. And then all of a sudden, you know, he goes round 10 and 11 before the buy round, uh he's hitting the north queensland cowboys and the brisbane broncos before he has a hard game against canberra he could very well be 550k plus by then in value and if that's the case you've held him for you know a, a couple of month period where he's actually giving you gun points value points for his dollars and you can trade him out at 100k plus more than what he is now into someone that you're going to need for round 13 for that buy round I would much rather do that if you can. And I think one of the problems at the moment with the trades this week and certainly coming up in the coming weeks is that people are wanting to upgrade, me included, but you don't really have guys to trade out. So you've got cows that still have money to make. Uh, people traded out little last week. That ended up being a disaster because obviously he scored well and he made you know 60K more and now he's going to keep making money, it looks like. You know, these are the type of trades that you do when you're desperate to make trades and you don't have guys to trade out yet. Very much the same with Sotili. You know, I think a lot of people don't have many people to trade out and they're trying to get uh, trade-ins happening. Sometimes it is better just to sit and just to leave your team and not call guys that are going to make a lot of money in the future or that are still going to give you really good points. I'm going to stick with Sotili myself. Um, I think that he's going to get good points over the next, well, up until the buy round, really, and then he's going to be a good trade-out for them. For Newell Blake's injured, that makes complete sense. Interesting on number five that people are starting to trade out um, New at the Broncos. Now, New is pretty heavily owned. He's ended up making 115000 so far in 50% of teams. So he's done quite well, uh, but he comes in with a break-even of, of 39. It does make some sense to get rid of him. Uh, some of the reasons why it may not make sense is that I'm seeing teams downgrade him Uh, which is a popular option, and then use that money for, say, a forward upgrade uh, or use that money to be able to get to Pappenhausen. What that means is it's a bit of a circle where you're going back to what was happening at the start of the year with a lot of low-scoring teams where you're really really disintegrating your centre wing options that you can use and you're playing a lot of dirt there. Uh, New's been quite good. He's actually averaged 54 points a game which has been fantastic for his price tag. He had a low of 36 round one, but you know the last three rounds, he's actually gone quite well and has a 59 average the last three with a 92, a 39, and a 47. He doesn't have those real low dirt scores in him. So, I mean, if you're going to sell him and have to play a Simonson at Canberra, you know you could halve your points in that spot very easily. He's averaging 54. Simonson so might go in the next few re- weeks scoring 30s, and that could easily happen. So just be really careful getting rid of him Um, On what could happen. There's also the fact that he does play round 13. Now, he's got a couple of really hard matchups coming up. And that's the argument to sell him. Totally get it. I think it's fine to sell him. Uh, I'm not saying it's not. South Penrith and Parramatta the next three. They're going to be really hard for the Broncos. But he is going to make money again going into round 13. uh, Because he's then got the Titans, the Cowboys and Manly. Uh, He should make all that money up and more doing that. He does have the Roosters in Melbourne after that, but then he's got the round 13 buy game against the Dragons. So, you know, there is some cause to say you could hold him. Uh, you'll probably be in the same boat money-wise, you know, making 115, 120K off him, holding him from round 13, but he will be an extra number for you. So I think he's fine to trade, guys. He is probably going to drop some cash the next few weeks and not have some good scores. Just make sure that you're planning around having some decent center wing options to play, because it could really hurt you. Otherwise, he has done pretty well averaging 54 points. Moving on from there, uh, we've got another couple of really easy ones. I can't believe that enough teams had Brodie Croft in their side to have to be trading him out in the top 10 tradeouts. Stephen Crichton's another one that's going. Um, he's at number seven on the list of tradeouts for this week. He was a little disappointing. Um, I thought that he looked good at times at fullback, but he has been named at fullback again. Uh, I'm not sure if I'd be trading him out at this point because he has dropped cash. He's only 430 K. k but in saying that, you know, he didn't do too well on the weekend. Now down to 430 Uh I can see why teams are probably looking at selling him, but I would look ahead of this round and, and check out Penrith's matchups because I'd be really wanting some Penrith Panthers players for this upcoming run. They've got Canberra in Penrith, which is a tougher game. That could be one where he scores pretty poorly again. But he then has the Broncos, the Knights, Manly, and Cronulla. I'm actually looking at the Penrith Panthers draw saying, geez, I wish I could load up on Panthers after this week. And Stephen Crichton would be one of the main guys. He hasn't scored a huge amount of tries this year like he normally does. Um, he's... Barely been getting any attack at all for the year so far. That's going to hit, he's going to start hitting. So, I'd be really wary trading him out. Uh, I think that you're going to be trading him out, not getting anything out of him or any value in the time that you've owned him. And the next sort of five weeks of football, he's going to have a really good five round average and go well. So, that one's a a lot harder to do um, than some of the other trade outs. I think Jason Saab is in the top 10. Now, ordinarily. Everyone would say, you know, look, you don't trade out a guy that's cheap that hasn't made any money yet. He's just got to go over the line. He's going to start scoring tries. Sub was only 230k and he managed to lose um, 30k in the last couple of weeks. So only 200,000 in value now. It is very hard to justify holding him because I know that a lot of people struggled to loop on the weekend because he only had six points and you knew that you were going to get that as your AE if you were trying to do the VC loophole it's a huge issue at the moment. Um, What I would say is that there's probably a really good chance that Jason Saab is dropped very soon. Jorge Tafua is due back shortly, um, supposedly anyway, based on the NRL timeframes on the injury list. He's meant to be back this month. Uh, Saab could end up being dropped and then he's an NPR and he's not going to give you any auto emergency poor scores. Um, You can use him later on as well. But, you know, I I completely get cut and bait on him. Um, I just don't think it's worth a trade-out for me, so I'm going to hold him. But he has just been terrible. As far as cheapies, it didn't work out. He's at the top of the list. He's looked awful. In real-life football as well, he's played terrible. Cody Walker, top 10. 2.2% of coaches are trading him out. He's obviously suspended this week. This is a really tough one because I've seen a lot of Cody Walker teams where their 17 looks really weak and it's hard for them to find money to do trades or to improve their team, keeping Cody Walker on the sideline. Uh, he's 650000 so it's it's a lot of money to be sitting there, but I think people really need to consider the Cody Walker matchups after this week. So after this week... Uh, Cody Walker has two absolutely plum matchups. You know, the Rabbits are going to end up hitting the Tigers and Titans. Now, those matchups could be both 100-plus games for Cody Walker. Um, I know a lot of people weren't too happy on the weekend with him, but you know, he's still got a good score and still scored two tries. He's going to come out and he's going to blitz those couple of games, and I think you're going to regret getting rid of him. I would especially be holding him if you only just got him in last week. You know, if you only just got him in last week, I think you pretty much have to hold him. You've just wasted a trade there. He's going to pay you back. You just have to maybe play someone this week that you maybe didn't want to, but he's going to pay you back the next couple of weeks after that. So I would be holding Cody Walker myself, um, but it is hard for this week because a lot of teams aren't going to be looking as good uh, keeping him there on the pine. Traded in, obviously we've spoken about... um, Papenhausen so we won't talk about him but Sam Walker had a fantastic debut uh, a lot better than even I expected ended up scoring 82 points he is bottom dollar he's only played the one game so you can afford to have a look at him again but one of the good things about him as a downgrade option is he looks like someone that you can actually play you know he scored in the 80s last week he's playing the Sharks this week where he could get some attack as well I was really impressed with how he looked. Um I've actually already got Sam Walker there now, so I'm gonna I'm gonna play Sam Walker this week against the Sharkies. He's gonna be in my seventeen as one of my reserves. I'm pretty comfortable doing it. I said all pre-season and really last year when I was excited about him playing for the Roosters that he's he's a very big talent in the game. Um he's a lot different than other young kids. He's been working in the system in the last twelve months. He's not going to be like a fresh 18-year-old coming in that's, that's going to have as many lumps that he's going to have to take. I think he's going to be pretty game-ready, and he was. Uh, the way he was commanding the ball at times, some of the plays that he was making, he's going to get try assists, and I think that's going to happen just more and more. You know, He's going to be more and more comfortable and be doing even better. The other thing, too, is that Hutchison is a terrible half, so a lot more of the playmaking responsibility is going to keep falling on Walker. I wouldn't be surprised if Robbo tells him to stop kicking and just let Walker take some more of those kicks because Hutchison was just terrible on some of those fifth, fifth tackle options that he was taking. So Sam Walker looks like a great trade-in. He's a he's probably the number one downgrade option that teams have got this week. Brian Toto is the second most traded in player and Toto is getting brought in by 8% of coaches at the moment. Before that he's only in ten percent of teams, so he's still in pod territory now I've been in to pretty much all preseason all season so far. I ended up getting him in round two I got him in really early, and I've been super happy with it because even when he's not getting a try, he's just getting such great base and base attack that you know you're getting fifties anyway. he's managing to do yeah you know, fifty seven and fifty five points in round two and three just in his base base attack. And that's because he's leading the league in tackle breaks uh, and also leading backs in runs as well, which is basically what you were expecting to see. And it's great that's come to fruition. He's going to be one of the top centre wings by year's end. He's coming off 121 points against Manly where he scored a double. That's one of the phenomenal things with Brian Toto in your centre wing. Someone like Mike Acevo at the moment, you know, he might get a double and give you 80 points. And that's the same with a lot of... Wingers that you're going to get in the side that are high try scoring. Alex Johnson's another one where you might get 75 or 80 points off his two tries. With Brian To'o, because his base and base attack is so strong and he's got such a heavy work rate, you're tunning up every time he gets his couple of tries. Every single time, he's going to ton up pretty much. Uh, and that's works out phenomenal, especially when you look past this week at the Panthers draw that I was mentioning. The number one target outside of Cleary that you should be getting in after this week is Brian To'o. Now, Brian To'o coming off that huge ton that he's just put up on Manly. Because of that, he's got a break even at 24, so he's going to increase in price again after this week. He's already at 562,000, 31K more this week than what he was last week, and 40K more than what his starting price was for round one to start with him. He's he's the centre-wing trade-in of the week. He'll probably end up being one of the centre-wing trade-ins of the year. Can't say enough how much of a good trade-in he is. Teague Wilton... Uh, he's coming in in the top five at number four of most traded in, and he's a really interesting one. He started the last couple of weeks, uh, hasn't had a price rise yet. Starting secondary forward, playing 80 minutes at 250,000. Most of the time, you're just going to say, Wow, I just got to get him in my side, and it makes a lot of sense. He's only in 1% of teams at the moment, obviously, because he hasn't had a price rise yet, but he's on a minus 31BE. So he's going to make some serious cash this week, and he has been named to start again. Now, one of the things that people need to be aware of with this one, though, 43 and 78 points the last two weeks, you know, good scores for someone at only 250k. He's going to play 80 minutes this week, that's fine, but Britton Nekor is going to come back from his suspension next week. Uh, I think what is probably going to happen is he's going to find that he's won a bench spot, um, and that's going to give him two to three weeks of making money. Now, he could make 100k in the next two to three weeks. You know, you you could still get that. You're just going to have to be aware that it's going to be a a quick trade-out. It might be a trade-out where you only make 70k off it. But for the downgrade option to free up some cash, um, like a Welsh down to a Teague Wilton, if you're really searching to get someone out to to make some money, you know, that could work. Um, But just be aware that he might lose his starting job next week. He has played really well, though. And one of the things that's happened to Britton Accor in the past is his comeback from injury or suspension uh, and found himself on the bench. Um, he's also found himself dropped as well. Uh, which Morris has done to him a couple of times. And I don't think that he's been that fantastic this year. So it may very well be that the Wilton could hold his spot. That's potentially there. But obviously you just need to be aware of the risk. Uh, other trade-ins in the back row are uh, David Fafita. So he's 685000 at the moment. He's made 115000 on his starting price. It's... A, a bit of a tough one. You know, I think that it is it is worth it, but paying almost 700000 now for a back rower that does rely on attack to have the big scores, um, it's a bit of a tough proposition. You know, he plays a couple of really good games, though. Newcastle, on the Gold Coast, is going to be a good game for him. Then he plays Manly. He could easily go 120 against Manly. Harder game against Souths. That could be a 45-point game. Uh, but then he hits the Broncos and Tigers. So definitely three out of the next five for the Titans are really good. Uh, and it's going to be really hard not to own him. He's up near the top of Ford's for tackle breaks. He's offloading really high level as well. And he's obviously getting the tries. So uh, I think it's worth doing it, even at his 680,000 price tag. I think that it's it's very much worth it. Uh, but I did think that he was much better proposition get on two weeks ago, which we spoke about on the podcast Another cheapy that people are bringing in is um, Jackson Topine at the Bulldogs, 173,000. He's only played the one game, but I think people are looking at him as a downgrade option. That's you know 70,000, 80,000 less than what Teague Wilton is, but does make sense. Uh, but it would make more sense if he's played more than his one game. The problem is that he's played his one game where he scored 53, which is great, but he has to stick around for a couple of weeks to give you any value. Now, if you're expecting him to do that, you need to be aware that he's actually a development player. He's not in. He's not part of the the Bulldogs squad at the moment. they got an exemption to play him uh, because of the injuries that they've got. I think they've got five or six guys out long term. They've got guys like Fatala Mariner in the back row who are gone until like around 20 or something. So, maybe that exemption will continue. Um, but I'm not really sure and I don't think anyone can be sure at the moment on the details of it. There certainly isn't any right now. Wacko's Whispers might have some details on, on to pine on whether he's going to stick around. The good things with him is that he did pass the eye test uh, and to, on a talent level, he probably should be there at least on the bench. So what I would suggest for people to be aware of is that one, he might be out of the squad, but if you need a downgrade option to free up cash at a bottom dollar, you know, he's a guy that you could bring in that you just have to be aware that he could be an NPR. But one of the good things with these type of guys is, if they end up being an NPR that's fine, but you do have the upside of him if he plays making you some money rather than being a full-blown NPR. So, as long as you've got the right expectations with him, um, I think it can work out well. Unfortunately, the Bulldogs don't even play round 13, so you can't even hope that he comes back for that type of thing. But, uh, there is a chance that he keeps playing. Um you just gotta be aware of the risk there and it's certainly that you're gonna have to wait a couple of games still before you're getting some money in. Matt Burton's being brought in. Um kind of understand he is in a bit of a hard spot at five eight halfback though to do that. Um I'd certainly be much rather be bringing in Sam Walker as your second half. I don't think that you can go past Sam Walker to get a Matt Burton in. I think that's pretty crazy. Um as a second five eight, yeah, I think that that's where he probably fits. Blake Ferguson's an interesting one, so we've got over 5% of coaches bringing in Blake Ferguson at the moment. He started off the season much better than what I expected, um, and he's done that because they're going his way a lot. He's already in 14% of teams. That's probably going to be closer to 20% once his trading round is done. He's coming off scoring 111 points, and before that he went 84, 32, and 92. So, you know, three out of his last four games are 80+. plus which is massive and all of a sudden a guy that took to around 17 to score a try last year uh, has been going over like on an average of one per week so he's just absolutely killing it at the moment big fergo um he does look physically better the problem with him is he's now 470,000 now if you bought him at 370,000 then I think that you're really winning here and it's a great buy and you did well doing it at this point you might have waited too long um you are paying pretty close to peak price for Fergo, um, but because he's got a minus 26 BE, it probably negates that and you can't really go wrong. You know, he's possibly going to make a 100,000 anyway the next few weeks. Um, And, you know, if he does that, but does it by having a couple of games where he's a bit of a flop, then you can easily just get rid of him um, and just burn the trade and say that you've made probably at worst 50 or 60,000. So I think that the risk is pretty low, um, but it is spending quite a bit on Fergo. I do see it as worthwhile though. He's a pretty good trade in if you want to strengthen your centre wing. I just I would only be doing it if you already have Brian Toto. I know Toto is, you know, eighty thousand more expensive, but I think that you have to find that money um to invest. Brian Toto also plays round thirteen. So it is an investment for the future rounds as well and he's a season long keeper that you can just keep there whereas Fergo won't be. So ranking the centre wing trade ins at the moment for this round, uh, Brian Toto needs to be your number one ahead of Fergo. Certainly, if you own Toto and he's your only gut in center wing and you're getting Fergo in, I think that's a really good trade. Um, It makes a lot of sense, and you can always cull Fergo if he's not living up to expectations in a few weeks. Tino's coming in for quite a few teams. He he came off a huge game, 90 plus on the weekend, looked like a beast. It does make a huge amount of sense. Um, I will just say, uh, sort of like the Pappenhausen talk that we were having. Just be a little bit wary with Tino that you're, you know, you're not expecting, you know, his 90 plus games that often. Um, he's coming off going 61, 46, and 60 the three rounds before his 93 explosion against Canberra. He also played a huge amount of minutes as well, so it's something just to keep in mind if you're considering Tino. Um, he's coming off 71 minutes on the weekend. Yeah, that's that's not going to happen unless it's injury affected. He's not going to be playing minutes in the 70s. Uh, if he's playing 60-plus, that's great. Two of his games were in the 50s. If he's playing you know, 51 to 55 minutes, that's not really going to be enough for him to go ballistic. Um, but if he is more like a 65-minute player, then that's going to be gold, and you'd be getting him straight in and be really happy with it. We just don't know yet. On the weekend, he played 71 minutes because... Uh, Peachy would normally come on at 13 in that middle rotation, um, or he's starting 13, sorry, Um, but Peachy ended up going, you know, you have Fogarty going down and then all of a sudden guys like Peachy get moved around. Fogarty going down um, hurts him a little bit, um, but there was just a, a few reasons these minutes were inflated. If he's going to keep playing good minutes at 60 plus, then it's going to be a good trade in. Um, he could be one of those guys that he's probably better in real life than what he is in Supercoach output, but you can't argue with the trade-in. He's coming off a fantastic performance on the weekend. That's pretty much going to do it on the market watch with the trade-in trade-outs aside from the very last guy that we're going to go through, which is probably the most interesting trade-in at the moment as far as being able to determine what to make of it, and that is Ryan Sutton. So I actually brought up Ryan Sutton a couple of weeks ago. I really like Ryan Sutton. I've always been a huge Ryan Sutton fan. Um, But one of the problems is we just don't know what's going to happen with him. So, you know, you could have been bringing him in at 400k odd um, a while back and you would have been absolutely elated. He was a phenomenal draft option. So if you got him in draft, it's huge. But it's just such a week-to-week proposition. So he started the season scoring 40 points and 39 points. And then round three, he ended up going to starting 10 spot and scored 113 with a try. Ryan Sutton is not a try scorer, so I think it was Billy at the time kind of dismissed it and said, well, you know, he scored a try, he's probably going to be gone next week and it does make sense. He then went to a starting lock roll at 13 and he ended up scoring uh, 90 points with another try. Yeah, completely unexpected. But He's a young guy. He's only had the one year in the NRL under his belt. He's starting to play really well. And he looks really good. last two weeks, his raw base has been 57 and 80 points. Absolutely huge raw base. So all of a sudden, you know, his try scoring doesn't even matter. He's going to give you a 60-plus score as long as he's starting, even without his raw base. He's also a dual second row, front row, forward. So he ticks all the boxes at 500000 He's not even a massive investment. Uh, and you could even argue that he's potentially got more upside than Big Tino at the moment with how he's been playing. Problem is that Corey Horsburgh only copped a one-week suspension, and then Ricky decided to punish him a little bit more by not putting him back into the side. But we're now in round five, and Horsburgh still hasn't been named. And we've got a minus 20 BE Ryan Sutton there. Ryan Sutton's going to make money this week. He's going to play well again, I'm sure, and he's going to get the minutes again. Um, He's gotten 64 and 73 minutes the last two weeks, which is absolutely massive for a prop and for a 13 starter. Um, You do have Joe Tarpany back, though, so he's back in the rotation. We can't possibly conceive that Corey Horsburgh is not going to come back into this side, and when he does... That's going to reduce Ryan Sutton's minutes. It may even in the next two or three weeks uh, put Ryan Sutton back on the bench and then all of a sudden, you know, we've got Corey Horsberg starting at prop or something like that. That could very well happen. Um, Janamis Louie has been the preferred starting prop for a while now for Ricky Stewart. He only played like 17 minutes a game for the first couple of weeks and then got dropped as a starter. Maybe he comes back really on form he shouldn't, but there is just so many factors that could come into playing Ryan Sutton off the bench instead of starting him, that he's been a risk. He's one of those real risk-reward guys where it comes down to luck. You know, I don't think anyone's going to know what Ricky Stewart's going to do the next couple of weeks. If you got him in last week, you could get really lucky and Sutton keeps starting. He's going to be one of those real pod buys of the early season rounds where you're going to absolutely kill it in points and you're going to make 100k plus pretty easily because it was only two weeks ago, he was only 410,000. But he could go really pear-shaped really quickly, where all of a sudden next week he's got a um, not a negative BE, that's for sure, and he's not starting. So, I look, Bob's your uncle. Go for your life. Just have a guess. Flip a coin. Nobody's going to really know with Sutton. But if you got him in draft, I reckon you're absolutely killing it. Let's go straight into the teams now and for TLT uh, and review this round that's coming up in round five. So, our first game is the Broncos versus South Sydney Rabbitohs, and this one could be an absolute carve-up. It's not even at Suncorp to try and keep the Broncos kind of half in it. Um, Let's start off with the Broncos. So, big news for them is that they've got Carrigan out for a week, and because of that, TPJ is going to be starting at 13. Now, he got benched last week, played 30 minutes, scored 32 points, uh, absolute shambles, meant that he comes into this week with 117 B.E., He's obviously starting 13. A lot of people might think, oh, wow, that looks good. That's great. He's going to start getting back in the rotation better. He's going to play more minutes. Kevin Walters has done this the entire season with him, where his minutes have gone 39-52, 59-30. And Carrigan was the preferred starter last week. He's probably starting again next week, and TPJ will probably be back on the bench. So big decision to make for this game. Coming up against the South Sydney side that could absolutely carve up the Broncos, even without Cody Walker. Uh, I would be selling TPJ myself. He's 117 BE, 635,000. They're coming up not only against South this week, but then also Penrith and Parramatta the next three weeks. And only one of those is going to be at Suncorp as well. So... I actually think that TPJ is a good sell. Uh, it's really unfortunate because he's been playing really well on a per-minute basis. But Kevin Walters is just showing a lot of inexperience at, at his coaching level with some of his selections and rotations um, that he's not getting right. So I, I'd have to jump off. The other one that's interesting for this one is that some people are talking about Jordan Ricky a little bit as far as um, probably, like we said earlier in the podcast, searching for someone to trade out because there's no obvious trade out yet because people haven't peaked. Ricky has gone 55, 54, and 81 the last three weeks, um, and his round one score is his lowest at 40, so he's actually going along pretty well. He's got a 48 base for the year, so he's been really consistent, and his base the last three weeks has been 61, 47, 47, so 385,000, he's got a BE of 31. Now, obviously, that's not a hugely low BE. Against South. it's going to be really hard. Against the Panthers the next week, it's going to be really hard as well, but... It is a bit early to be selling him. I am a pretty worried Ricky owner as far as starting him, but I'm probably going to need to, and I think that most people are going to need to as well. One of the things with Jordan Ricky coming into this year is he wasn't hugely known for his work rate, but his base as an edge back row at 48 is actually really good, and especially the last three weeks, his base has been more towards mid-50s as an average. So he's actually looking really good on the base, but one of the things that he was coming in as is a guy that can definitely... Get a line break, score a try, hit some attack, and we haven't seen that yet. So there's every chance in the next few weeks he hits a little bit of attack, whether it's a line break or a line break try. And then all of a sudden he's gonna start making a heap of cash. So it is a bit of a premature trade out. Um, I get being hungry for the getting the points in now, but you know, the South's can still be a little bit weak on some of those edges at times, so I, I wouldn't be trading him out for this one. On the South Sydney side. Um, obviously no Cody Walker. Low-key, though, the other big one is Colin is actually out as well due to his suspension, and that's going to be for two weeks. So that's going to hurt a lot of Colin owners that definitely brought him in a couple of weeks ago when he was starting again. Benji's going to replace Walker in the halves. I don't think there's any issue as far as Souths goes. I think that's going to be pretty seamless. So I guess really the one to focus on on this one is really Latrell Mitchell. We've already gone through his numbers and everything, He's a straight... He's a VC option. He's a phenomenal VC option this week. I think that he's a 100-plus candidate. I'm 90% confident that he's going there this week against the Broncos side. I think he's absolutely going to carve up. But the guy that we haven't spoken about yet on the podcast that's also a VC option, but also a really good trading option, is Damien Cook. Now... Damien Cook got a, a bit of a batter up to start the season because people were worried that he wasn't running and, and sort of, I think a lot of people kind of rode him off a little bit um, because he started off with that 36 points. Put 102 points on Manly and then against the Roosters, he did 46 and people were sort of like, oh, okay, well, you know, his scores are too low. He came up against the Bulldogs and he ended up with 106 points. Two, of the, uh, two line breaks that were just clean as line breaks where he was really looking to run. So I think on the eye test, it really, really looks good for Damian Cook to start to explode. He's might have had two low scores below 50, but he's also got two tons out of his first four games. 50% of the time, he's going tonne at the moment. And the next three rounds, like we said, Broncos this week, their middle of the pack can be awful. Their ruck defense, they had uh, Pappenhausen, who's a very small bloke, ran straight into the middle of their middle forwards 10 meters out and went past them very, very easily to score a solo try and even overpowered a couple that kind of held him up over the line. Damian Cook is primed this week against the Broncos himself and he's at 625,000 with a 75 BE. So certainly money-wise, you don't have to get him right now, but he could turn up very easily this week. Tigers are next week and Titans are the week after. Three prime matchups. This is a time to get Cook in. If you don't own Braley, um, if you have the room to try and get... A hooker in. Uh, I think he's a phenomenal trade-in this week that not enough people are talking about. He's only 23% owned as well, so not the huge Damien Cook ownership that we've seen in the past. This game against the Broncos, he's my pick for it, along with Latrell to absolutely have blinders. Top sport bet of the week. Uh, uh the the Souths are like a dollar seven on Top Sport. Uh that's consistent with other bookmakers where they're as low as a dollar five. But one thing Top Sport does have is really good odds for Alex Johnson to score a try. So dollar sixty flat for Alex Johnston. I think and that's great. Dollar sixty against the Broncos and they're probably gonna carve up. That's my Top Sport bet of the week for this one. I think South's are, are pretty good specials to go 20-plus. So Broncos just look completely disheveled and even without Cody Walker, uh, I think that's just going to be better for guys like Cook and Luttrell. They're going to pick up the extra playmaking and attack and I think they're both going to have blinders. Warriors-Seagulls is the second game and for this one, we've got Adina, uh, Adam Fenwell-Blake, I should say, and Buntyafo are both out. So both props go. Apparently Fenwell-Blake's looking at potentially six to eight weeks on the sideline. So that's a huge blow. Lisa Narmou and Tohu Harris are uh, the new props, and Jack Murchie's starting in the back row for Harris. So, pretty interesting that we've got Tohu Harris going up to front row forward. Um, you would hope that he's still going to get his max minutes and just go back into the middle rotation, um, but it's going it's to be an interesting one to look at because Tohu has low-key, been on fire so far this season. Um, he's been going, I think, better than even owners had hoped that he would. Don't talk about him enough on this podcast, but he's got a range of 66 to 87 points, and averaging a massive 78 in his 75 minutes per game. He's played uh, 66 minutes last week, which is a little bit of a concern, because the first three weeks it was 80, 73, and 80. 66 is a bit low, Um, it did mean that he only had a 53 base, which is his lowest base of the year, Uh, and it was also saved by a try that he got as well, so was a bit of a watch last week because he he did have the lower minutes he did have the lower base and now this week that he's going up to prop um, if he's playing minutes in the low 60s to mid 60s uh, it's going to take a bit of a shine off him as far as his point scoring opportunity so big watch on that uh, little positional change there for the Warriors probably the other thing that's interesting with the Warriors is Jack Murchie going into the back row here and that's definitely a watch as well so Murchie, I didn't really expect to get the job. Um, I have been waiting for Curran to come in and actually get some minutes, but Murchie scored uh, 40 points in 60 minutes last week. Not phenomenal. He is an edge-back rower, though. He is uh, a little bit too expensive, probably, to have a look at. Possibly for draft, though, he might be an option. But on the other side of this matchup, the Seagulls are in complete disarray. They really don't have a lot going for them. Um, Tom Trevojevic... Has not been named, so he's out at least another week. We do have Morgan Harper coming into the centres. Huge draft watch on him. I'm actually going to be trying to get him in draft straight after this podcast. He went really well Harper when he was playing last year. He was actually a low-key, really good super coach option. Um, and he's got potential to be to be really good again. Obviously, with Surley out probably short term. Um, it's just a watch on Harper. He's probably going to be out of the team again in a couple of weeks, but he really should be sticking in the team. He played really well from last year. Not much else here to really talk about on the Seagulls that's going to be interesting. Um, Josh Schuster does have a minus 36 BE still. So one of the interesting talking points coming into this round is do we can we still buy Josh Schuster? I think you definitely can. He's been named. He's still scoring quite well. Uh, And he's still got a big negative BE. So, even if you get on late, you're still going to make the money, uh, and he's still going to go pretty well as an edge back rower. So, 47 points last week in a very, very well beaten side. That's pretty good for him. 43 in raw base. 283,000 now. Isn't that expensive when you consider he's minus 36 BE? So, you can definitely still look at him as a bit of a downgrade option in your 5'8 spot still. You're still probably going to make 100k plus. Realistically, for this one, uh, probably a a bit of a big balls VC option. Roger Tilba is a sheck. He he scored 63 last week against the Roosters. I thought he looked quite good. Um, But the couple of weeks before, he absolutely carved. 133 points against the Raiders. You would have loved to have the VC on him for that one. 83 versus Knights the week before. Against Manly, um, he has big, big potential to go ballistic. So if you own Roger for some reason... Definitely put the VC on him. Um, he could outscore Pappenhausen this week against that Manly side with the way they've been playing. Other than that, though, there's not a hell of a lot to talk about on this one, so we are going to move on, but Top Sport has some really interesting stuff here. I'm really not sure to make what to make of this particular matchup. I would expect that the Seagulls are going to have to bounce back a little bit. Um, the Warriors are missing a lot of players now, so it, it might be easier on Top Sport just to have a look at some of these try-score options. Now, Kenny Mamolo Is a bit of a try-scoring machine. He has only got one try for the year. He's gone the last two weeks without scoring one. And he's coming up against a manly side whose outside back defense is pretty suspect. So Ken Ramola, $1.89 on top sport. You will not find better odds than that on any other bookmaker. So I'm on that one. That's my bet of the week for this Warriors-Manly game. Not too much super coach interest here though. So let's just move straight on. The next game in the round, we've got the Panthers versus Raiders. This one here, there's no changes for the Panthers. A few people were hoping that maybe Crichton uh, would swap with Staines and Staines would go to fullback. That's not happening. Uh, Matt Burton retains his spot, obviously, in the centres as well, which is great. On the Raiders side of things, um, Tappany's back uh, starting at lock, so Ryan James returns to the bench. Um, Other than that, We've got Louie dropping in the reserves, which does bode well for Sutton to continue um, at least being in the 17. Pod players of interest for this one. So, Momorowski, I pinpointed earlier in the season uh, as a bit of a pod option. He's now gone up to 463,000, so he's no longer cheap, but that's because he's gone 82, 56, and 79 in his last three weeks. That's a massive three round average of 72. Uh, he's got Three tries in that, he's got the double against the Dogs in round two, no try against Man- oh, against Melbourne, where he still scored 56 points, and then against Manly, he's got his try for 82 points. One of the great things about Momo is that he's got the 31 raw base average for the year, and he's actually more likely to be higher than that, um, with the last two weeks being 32 and 35, that's probably going to be closer to his raw base he does have some really good TBs as well. So his base base attack is going to bring him into those mid-40s type of numbers, which is why he only needs a one try to hit 80s like last week. Um, he's a, a real good pod option uh, that some people are talking about, but obviously he's not getting huge trade in. Against the Raiders, it's probably not the best week to do it, but he does only have a B of 30. So if you were after a bit of a pod option, uh, I I quite like him as that. Um, he is someone that might be an alternative to going a Fergo. He's someone that's going to have a better fall than Fergo as well. And he does have that great draw after this week. So, bit of a watch on him as far as the VC and C options. Obviously, Cleary is always going to be a VC option. Uh, against the Raiders, though, I do think that this one might be a little bit of a tighter contest. Uh, I don't think we're going to see a huge amount of points in this one. So, I'm going to steer clear of this one myself. Four top spot better of the week on this match, though. Uh, I'm actually just going to take the Panthers head-to-head, dollar 45 at the moment, uh, playing at Panthers Stadium. I think that's a pretty good uh, low odds bet, but one that I'm pretty happy with. I think that they're playing too well for Canberra and they're going to get the going to get the chocolates in that one. Gold Coast versus Knights is our next matchup. So for the Titans, um, we've got Brian Kelly back, and I've already seen a huge amount of super coaches getting interested in getting Brian Kelly straight in. Uh that's an interesting one. Um, I myself am not interested. I know that he has looked good before, but he's coming back from an injury here. He's pff, hasn't really had a lot of games. He's only gotten the one so far coming into round five. So 47 points in round one, uh, 37 of that in raw base. That was solid, but it's not like he's going to get a price rise this game. Uh, and it's also not like Newcastle's the easiest matchup for him either. So I'd be waiting till next week which is a game coming into Manly where he's going to get his first price rise. Certainly have a look at him next week, um, but, you know, that's that's a week to do it. Trading him in for the Manly matchup. Um, see where his break-even's at. See how he returns from his injury as well with his busted hand. Um, I wouldn't be rushing this week, but he's obviously a popular one. That's a bit of a talking point. We've already spoken about Fafita. Um I'm going to throw it out here that Fafida is going that well that against the Knights who aren't going to have Mitchell Pearce, um i i actually see him as a bit of a big balls pod vc option because the way he's playing he's gonna get his offloads he's gonna get his tackle breaks which means you know if he gets a line break try he's gonna go pretty big and then if he gets his hand in another one he's going like you know 110 120 sort of range so Really, um, this one could be a, a big game changer because not many people are going to think to put it on him. He's gone eighty-eight, one-twelve, and one-zero-five the last three weeks. That's how good he's going. That's why he's such a great trade, despite his price—hundred and two three-round average. Uh, so I certainly think it's too risky to put the C straight on him, even though I think that he's going to be in for a big game. But VC on him is a big balls one. You um, could definitely go for that on the night side of things. The big news is that we got Kalen Ponga back. So whilst they've lost. Pierce for an extended period of time. They do have Blake Green coming in as a professional half. um, And they do have uh, Ponga coming back at fullback. So that's going to help him hugely. The big thing is that Connor Watson's going to six. Um, Now, people might be worried about that a little bit because of his numbers and stuff. His numbers look okay at six. You know, it's not as good as maybe when he's just running a bit more free and getting the tackles that he gets in the middle. But he's still good there. The big deal with Connor Watson playing six is that he's going to get 80 minutes. Because he's an 80-minute player as a starting six, he's an auto-play. Like, if he wasn't before, he's an auto-play right now. And he could go fantastic against the Titans as well. They're just the sort of side that allows quite a few points for guys like Connor Watson. That uh, I think that Watson's in for a big one. And my big call on the Knights side of things is that him and Ponga are both going to have big games in this one. Uh, I reckon they're both looking at 75-plus. The other talking point for the Knights team is that Mitch Barnett... He's obviously a popular one that people have been bringing in the last few weeks. I was really happy that I started with him. He's been on fire, whether he keeps the goal-kicking or not. So, probably Ponga's going to take the goal-kicking back. But I've said this before and I'll say it again. You know, a lot of people are going off that if he doesn't have the goal-kicking, he's gone. You know, he's a sell. I can't believe people are talking about him like he's a sell. He's averaging 86 points a game this year. He's got four games And he's gone 105, 85, 77, 75. And he did 75 last week when he wasn't even kicking. Um, Now, 75 to 105 is a range in four games in the first month of footy. Coming up against the Gold Coast Titans, coming up against the Sharks the following week, I cannot fathom why people are looking at selling Mitch Barnett. He's been a phenomenal player, even without the goal kicking. So even if the goal kicking goes, um, you know, that's what, maybe uh, 10 to 12 points that he's going to lose. Let's say it's 12. You know, that's, that brings him down to a 74 average for the year. <laughs> you know, like 74 is a really good average for a bloke that you probably brought in at 550K. It's still only 615,000, so it's not like you're cashing him out at 700K. Yeah, There's no way I'd be looking at trading Mitch Bunnett at the moment. Certainly down the track, um, if he starts to go, go down a little bit, um, if he's not scoring as well in sort of two or three weeks' time, that might be a time to consider trading him, but right now, just because Ponga's coming back, no chance. Oh, and there's every chance as well that maybe Ponga decides he doesn't want the kicking straight away or whatever, and Mitch still slots a few over. I'd definitely be sticking with him. In this game, Gold Coast Titans edges for a couple of years now. I just managed to always concede points. Uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Mitch Barnett goes over for a try myself. Top sport better of the week for this one. Now, there isn't really any VC or C options, but Top Sport bet of the week, there is a couple of real big balls options. Uh, I don't know how this game is going to go really, uh, but I do know that David Fafita is going to have a big one and he's paying $2.61 to score a try. I mean, that's way over his top sport. giving it's way too good of odds for that one. So, you know, it's not as certain as maybe some of the other bits of the week, but it's for $2.61, huge value. So that's the one I'm on for this one. I'm not going to look at VCLC options on this one, aside from maybe a Fafita one, but uh, let's move on to the next match. So this next one is sort of interesting for the Storm, not really for the Bulldogs, Storm vs Bulldogs. The Storm could absolutely carve up here. It's it's one of the big reasons why people might be scared to not get Pappenhausen, I totally get it. Harry Grant's been named in Jersey 21, but he's meant to be coming onto the bench, Um, so he's probably going to be starting, it looks like. That's going to be interesting because it it might change the attack a little bit. Um, Certainly, with an attacking hooker there, that's a different style to what Brandon Smith is. Uh, That could really change things, Um, possibly for the better for Pappenhausen and and guys like Munster, possibly worse. Um, But Pappenhausen, we've already spoken about a lot. He's going to kill it this week. I think you would be a very brave man not to look at a VC or a C if um, if you own him already. Um, certainly a straight C. He showed last week how good that can be. I can't see him scoring disappointingly this week. So he's probably going to be the most popular captain of the week. Uh, so if you want to go with the crowd and, and not fall behind, then yeah, that's a fine option. There is a lot more later games though, so you could always just VC him. Cameron Munster's one in focus for this game, though, to quickly talk about. Now, I did ch- trade in Cameron Munster last week, and I was a little bit worried that the... You know, he didn't really have... Uh, I don't think he had any tries since, actually, for the season so far. He's been boosted by getting two tries out of his first four games and a pretty decent flat 36 raw base. Now, 71, 59, 86, and 62 points... 70 average, exactly on the dot of what he was doing last year, very similar to his 2019 average of 69. You can't really be disappointed with it, but I think everyone's kind of expected, um, particularly against the Broncos on the weekend, for us to see a lot more from him. He scored a try and only scored 62 points. Very uncameron Munster like. Uh, watching the games, he's just not getting as involved as what an owner would probably hope. Uh, I watched last week and I was really worried about him, to be honest. Um, He really wasn't getting a huge amount of the ball to make plays, um, and certainly the ball was going to Paps a lot as well. Um, Hopefully with Harry Grant, it it might help Munster a little bit, but this is the sort of thing that we've seen before where, you know, Munster won't go that well, and then he'll just have a a big game. Uh, It could very well be an alternate where, you know, Pappenhausen went nuts last week, and We've got a solid score from Munster and this week we might get a solid score from Pap and Munster goes ballistic. I actually think that Munster is in for a big one this week. I think that he is going to get one or two try assists and I think he might get a line break try himself. Um, So I'm going to back him this week to have the best score that he's had this year. So far his best is 86 and and I reckon he's going to beat it. So I'm going to keep riding him. Um, He's a bit of an out there VC option. You know, if you wanted to really go big balls um, against the crowd, there's going to be no one. Uh, VCing or seeing Munster I don't think because of the disappointment of last week and how well Pappenhausen went so VC option on Munster could be on the cards here uh, he ha- he could go 120 plus on, on someone like the Bulldogs if they carve up on the dog side of things um, you know there's a few changes um, but nothing really of note aside from uh, Luke Thompson coming in a prop He started playing really well last year. He's someone to keep an eye on the next couple of weeks. Certainly in draft, grab him up off the waivers. If he's there, just scoop him right up. He's going to be a great pickup for you. But not much joy here for the dog side. Um, Obviously, we're expecting a storm carve-up. How much of a carve-up remains to be seen. Um, But I do think that they're, they're going to win pretty well. Top Sport have... Melbourne Storm, dollar three to win. So that's about the lowest tots that you'll see anywhere, but all the bookmakers are the same as Top Sport there. That's where you've got to look for some value with the try scores, I think. And I think everybody can expect the Storm to score a lot of points. So Top Sport, better of the week for this one for me is Josh Carr at $1.54. Pretty good value uh, because he's probably 90% guarantee he's going down the line. Ryan Pappenhausen's a dollar sixty five though, so if you think the Pat can keep on going, a dollar sixty five is pretty good numbers for him too. I'm definitely going to be taken out of car and maybe go both of them in the in the same gamer. But next game's the Roosters versus Sharkies at the Sydney cricket ground. Now Roosters went quite well last week in a, a pretty good demolition of the Warriors side, despite not having Luke Kiry and having their new halves in there. Um really it's it was a no brainer for Trent Robinson to have the team unchanged. Uh, No-brainer for teams to be jumping on Sam Walker a week early to get that downgrade because he's going to be a must-have next week. You have to make sure that you're getting him by next week at the moment. He's looking like an absolute must-have. But one of the people on on the Roosters team that not enough are talking about is Angus Crichton. Uh, he's the guy that I'm uh, most interested in this week. He might be my trade-in for this week as well. He's, he's coming into this matchup. Absolutely carving last week at eighty-one points, where he actually could have had a try if it didn't get pulled back, where he would have gone over a ton very easily. So, coming up against this Sharks edge with how he looked last week, how he was running, uh, I, I expect him to be hugely involved because that's what we saw last week. And against that Sharks edge, he could easily turn up here six hundred sixty-nine thousand with a B of one hundred three. Um, you know, a lot of people might be standoffish about that, but he's he's as much chance of hitting his be as as anyone this week. I really like him for a ton. Uh, I really like him to get a try as well this week against the Sharkies. So hugely interested for for me. I'm probably going to be going Welsh to Angus and downgrading elsewhere. That's probably going to be my move for this week. But Tedesco, we've already spoken about. Um, One of the good things about Pappenhausen and some of these other players really coming through and people selling Tedesco is Tedesco's captaincy, Percentage for this game is probably going to be really low um, relative to where we normally see Tedesco at. Uh, That's going to be huge because if you can get a Tedesco captain at like 10 to 15%, that's going to be a massive leg up if he goes big. And against his shark side, you know, again, 50% of the time he's doing a ton. He hasn't had a ton for a couple of weeks. He's due a ton. So I'm actually going to probably be looking at the straight C for James Tedesco. Uh, I really like it against his shark side. I thought he was really involved last week. Uh again he had his twenty something runs like he normally does, but he was getting the ball a lot where he wanted it. Uh and I think that he's gonna keep getting that. One thing that happened last week is that he got quite a few errors. So that's something that doesn't normally happen. Uh it did reduce his score. I, I wouldn't be surprised for a James Hudesco double this week. I think that he's a special to score a try. He's a pretty special to have a bit of a low key C on at maybe a ten to fifteen percent of is doing is gonna get you a leg up on the Pappenhausen guys if you can outperform him. Love it for this week. Brett Morris keeps on Brett Morrising. It's unbelievable. Um he killed it last week. If you own him, you're gonna ride him as long as you can. I cannot see him not scoring this week. He has scored at least one try every week and he scored multiple tries three out of four weeks. Um it's it's hard to see him not scoring against the Sharks. I think both Morris boys will be pumped up playing the Sharkies as well with Josh, obviously, leaving to go to the Roosters. And he's 730000 with a 103 BE. He's probably going to hit his BE. You probably can't pay 730000 for him as a winner. We saw that happen last year where, where guys jumped on uh, and he proceeded to go a 45, 50 and, and start to bleed cash really badly. One of the questions that we've had come up, though, is that some people are desperately trying to get Pappenhausen And they're looking at, well, can I go, you know, Brett Morris and my second fullback to Pappenhausen and to another gun because that frees up enough money to do it. I actually saw a really good trade where, you know, it was gun to guns, but, you know, they managed to get Fafida in for this week along with Pappenhausen by using Brett Morris. Uh, And even though I wouldn't trade Brett Morris, it makes a little bit of sense to do those type of sideways trades. Um, But yeah, I, I just couldn't do it with the the form that Brent Morris is in at the moment. Uh, the Roosters are actually paying a dollar forty-five on Top Sport at the moment to win this one. That's my Top Sport bet of the week by a mile, um, and I really like the Roosters to win well here. Uh, I, I think they've got a good chance at thirteen plus. For the Sharks, I've obviously already spoken about Wilton still starting um, being a bit of a option if he can keep it, Um, but there isn't really many other changes aside from Ramien coming back from injury, uh, from suspension, I should say, and Connor Tracy losing his centre spot and going back to the bench, which means he's not an option anymore, um, like he might have been for a few. Not a lot to talk about on this one. Teddy's my pick for the captaincy for sure. Let's move on to the next game, which is the Tigers versus the Cowboys. This one uh, is pretty interesting one, because it's two teams that are struggling quite a bit. Uh, We've got Moses Mbai going into centre to allow moving to the wing. Um, And we've got Cheekham coming onto the bench. So on the Cowboys side of things, Jason Tomololo is massive um, coming back. He's going to start at lock, uh, Maguire back to the bench. And that's, that's a huge in. It's going to be a big watch the next few weeks because obviously we've got the coach saying that he's not going to play in big minutes. The coach is under huge pressure because the Cowboys are looking absolutely pathetic at the moment. Uh, Not many shining lights for them. He really needs to play Tom Malolo big minutes. I think it's probably going to happen. Uh, In the next couple of weeks, Jason Tom Malolo is going to become a really good buy, and I don't think enough coaches are going to be looking at him, so definitely a watch for this one. Valentine Holmes was a watch last week, and he was a guy that uh, I considered a decent centre-wing trade in. Despite the fact that the Cowboys were pretty appalling, um, he ended up with 70 points again. And, you know, we said, you know, he does 70 points at fullback and that's what he did when he moved to fullback in round three. And he did 70 points on the nose again versus the Sharkies. He's now coming up against the West Tigers and the the Bulldogs the next two weeks. Uh, Every chance that he does well against those two teams as well. Only 508,000 with a 45 BE. Definitely still remains a watch for this game and definitely still remains someone who is a decent pod option that people aren't looking at for their centre wing, especially if you've already got a Brian Tuo in your team. Tiger side of things for Supercoach. Dane Laurie has been a, uh, a really great plug-and-play centre wing for a cheapie. I expect him to get a try this week against the Cowboys. They've been pretty susceptible to opposing fullbacks. He's a really good play. Coming off 48, 62, 73, and 47 to start his career. 58 average. He might end up getting his top score of the season this week against the Cowboys side. But one of the other guys that I did pinpoint as a watch for me last week was adam dewey dewey has a good draw coming up also plays the first buy um, and was sub 500 which is why i was interested he came out last week and scored 84 points backing up his 90 points the week before very very nicely he seems to be getting attack uh, and he's obviously doing some kicking as well he's got a be of nine at five hundred three thousand this week it's going to be hard to wait to get him if you were interested and you wanted him for round 12 because I don't even like paying 500 for him. Um, I've considered doing it this week because I think there's a every chance that he goes 84 or 90 points again like he has the last two weeks against it's this uh, Cowboys side with the Tigers playing at home. So it could be a big pod score for him this week. At 500k, he could do a lot worse. Um, certainly... If you needed to find some money, and this is a, a very out-of-the-box play for this week, so I don't want to sound like I'm saying it's a no-brainer or you're definitely going to kill it doing it. Um, it's a risk-reward. There is some risk with it. But if you've got Cody Walker on the bench and you desperately need that cash, uh, you could do worse than going you know, $160,000 banked, going Cody Walker to Adam Dewey playing the Cowboys, where he could hit up 90 points. And you could use that 160000 to upgrade, say, Latrell to Pappenhausen or something like that. Um, or alternatively, you know, you could use it to go from a Welsh to an to a Angus Crichton. Um, and then that really strengthens his side this week. But Adam Dewey's run after this as well. It's not like he's not going to be playable as your backup six. Um, you're going to have Souths, which is a bit of a grudge match for him, then Manly uh, than the Dragons and the Titans. So that's a pretty good month of footy. And obviously he's going to play that round 13 by game like we spoke about. So real pod move, you know, it's it, he could go to shit at any time. But oh, I think that he's looking at a couple of month run where he's going to be d- uh, averaging a 65-70, already averaging 66 for the year when one of his three games was only a 25. So pretty decent pod option that I'm going to be looking at as a consideration for this week. As far as the game goes, uh, I can't go past the Tigers for this one at Leichhardt Oval. Surely they've got to get the win over the hapless Cowboys who are pay- playing away from home, but definitely a big watch on Tom Malolo as well to see how it goes. David Nofaluma is the last guy I'm going to mention for this one, though. Um, if you wanted a, a bit of a hand grenade, early jump on, on a seasoned gun that no one's talking about in centre wing because of the emergence of guys like Brian Too and so forth, uh, he's a huge play. 577000 now with an 84 BE. Um, he hasn't been the no-fo of the past. He's averaging 55 points a game after coming off of 76 and 65 the last two years. We said that we didn't think that he was going to average 76 points again, but certainly 65, is should be where he's at. Um, And he's well below that at 55. His base has only been 30 as well, so he certainly hasn't been as busy as what he normally is. Um, But the last two weeks, we've seen signs of him sort of coming back. 32 and 39, raw brace raw base I should say the last two weeks the first two weeks were only 27 and 22 so a huge difference the last two weeks in his work rate uh, which is what you want to see um, and he's only he's got scored two out of the last four games uh, which you know he's probably going to be strike rate but he didn't score last week so every chance that he goes over the line for this week and you get a decent score 577,000 decent amount to invest we've spoken about his run coming up and the fact that he's going to be playing the round 13 by as well. So it's a really good time to buy him. Um, you could always wait two weeks and get him in round seven for that Manly game, but he's very likely to hit his BE of 84 this week and be a huge hand grenade, sub 10% ownership, big pod play. Um, I'm still not going to be looking at any captaincy or vice-captaincy options for this one, but I'm picking the Tigers for the win. Speaking of nofo, Top Sport bet of the week. So Top Sport have no for Luma. $1.72 to score a try anytime against the Cowboys. That's very much like Alex Johnston in that South game. It's almost money in the bank for that one, so I'm all over that one for this. The next game that we've got is Eels vs. Dragons to finish off the round. Uh now, Ryan Madison jumped out last week very late. That hurt many supercoaches that held him. Hopefully, you didn't rage trade him because, you know, he, highly unlikely that doesn't happen this week. All the mail was that he passed all the tests and everything, and that was just a bit of an extra precautionary. Um, and Bryce Cartwright said to make his debut, so we might get some Cardi Party action. So that's going to be interesting as well. Other than that, on the Eel side, um, there's, there's obviously a lot of watches, uh, and some of them were spoken about before um, in market watch. Mike sivo has gone downhill last week. He was nowhere near as good, um, scoring 30-odd points. It was very disappointing. But the two weeks prior, he'd scored a try and averaged about 75 points. I can't see him not scoring a try this week after missing out last week. Um, so if you own him, I think you can comfortably be playing him and not selling for this Dragons matchup. But Clint Gutherson, I mentioned, he's he's my special for this week. Um, I If you need... A huge pod option for your captaincy, and you say um, wanted to VC someone else and didn't own a Pappenhausen, you know, Clint Gutherson could be a C option. He's a big pause, balls, balls, high risk one. Um, he might only get you an 80 because he's been doing that pretty consistently in the last few weeks, but he also has a potential to go 120 or something and really blow him out. Uh, so he's an interesting one for this one. Last game of the round as well to save your captaincy for if you wanted to VC some earlier games. On the Dragon side, um, mainly, the one change Jack Bird returns to the starting side after suspension um forward to the bench top sport better of the week, like I said, Mike Sieber hadn't scored last week; he rarely goes two in a row without a try dollar seventy three on top sport to score a try this week. I think that's great. Paramount should win, and I think they should win pretty well as well, so a minus eight and a, eight and a half for the dollar eighty two is a pretty good bet as well. So Top has got some great options for this one. It is a bank west. I'm all over the eels for it. I'm glad that I own eels for this draw. Uh, and that's going to be the podcast for this week, guys. So I'm sorry it was had to be a solo one, but next two weeks we're going to have uh, a mix of Billy and also Cowboy Andrea Scanlon from the Old Points Per Minute podcast. So it's going to be a fantastic fortnight of podcasting, and we'll change it up a little bit for that. Obviously, you can download us or stream on SoundCloud, Spotify, and also iTunes. Uh, and certainly, do uh, give us a follow on Twitter as well: nrl underscore sc underscore all-stars. And if you are going to have a, a punt on top sport, make sure that you please do it responsibly. But also please do sign up with a promo code of SCALLSTARS, all one word, because Stars will let them know that you're one of our listeners, and they'll take great care of you and have some special stuff coming up. So in the meantime, good luck for this week. It's a really hard week of trades. I hope everyone makes the right decisions and everyone's captaincies score a Pappenhausen.